Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Good morning, Victory Church. Are you happy to be in God's house this morning? Edmund Campus, it's such a pleasure to be with you. And to those, everyone watching online, or maybe you're just watching this or listening to this on a podcast or on YouTube later, uh, thank you for taking time to, to join us today. Um, real quick, I want to hit just a couple things. One, I've been gone for a couple weeks, spring break. Michelle and I had a great time with the kids. Um, but really what I want to focus on is uh, as I watch church every weekend when we're gone, I'm just blown away at how gifted communicators we have on staff at this church. And I, what I want to tell you is that it's really not normal. I, pastors reach out to me all the time uh, asking me if, if, um, if we have somebody we could send to them or, or who, do you have somebody that could fill my pulpit while I'm on vacation? And I just want to remind everyone that we are really, really blessed uh, with great communicators at this church beyond me. Um, and that's how it should be, by the way. Uh, we're not here because of any one man or one woman other than Jesus. Jesus. Jesus should be the only reason we come to church. So you don't come to church because I'm preaching or because somebody else is preaching. We come to church because Jesus is preaching <laughs> and, uh, to us every single time we come to come to church. So thank you for those who, who preach. Pastor Wade and Pastor Abdiel did a fantastic job. Uh, pa- Pastor Cameron and Pastor Adam did a phenomenal job. So I want to thank them and, and honor them before I, before I move on. Uh, I want to let you know, I, I'm sensing kind of a new season. If you're new to Victory Church, uh, we don't do what we call series. Series are very definite. They're a four-week series or a five-week series. Uh, ours are very similar to that in, because they have, are kind of a topic or a theme. But we call them seasons because we don't really know when it's going to end. Uh, it's March, the end of March right now, but we could have a freeze anytime. Like it could, winter could kind of show up and surprise us all. But we know that spring is kind of close. We can kind of know an ebb and flow of the seasons. And that's kind of how we approach what the Holy Spirit's doing uh, in our church. We don't get up and say, hey, we're starting a four-week series on blank. We just kind of see where the Holy Spirit's leading. And I say that to say I'm sensing uh, the Holy Spirit kind of put a, put a cap on, on bended knee. And I'm sensing a, a, a new season coming up probably around May, right after Easter. So just kind of giving you a warning of that. The reason I, I tell you that you know, if winter's ending, you're kind of, kind of starting, you're putting your coats away and kind of pull out some short sleeves, short sleeve shirts to prepare for the upcoming season. And I say that to you to just begin to be prayerful. Okay, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in my life, in our church, in the nation? And just be, be mindful of what I believe is a new season coming up for our church. And, I'm, and I need your prayers uh, as, we, as we navigate this. Also, Easter's coming up. Easter is three weeks from today. Uh, so I want to remind you to invite, invite. And, and when I say invite, let me just put it a different way that maybe helps you a little, little easier. Just scatter seed, okay? Just throw out seed. Uh, you don't have to drag anyone here. You don't have to manipulate or control or promise or 
just throw out seed. You just ask your waitress, your waiter, your coworker, friends, hey, do you have a home church for Easter? And what you're doing is you're just throwing out some seed. And some falls on good soil, some falls on rocky soil, some falls in the weeds, and some get snatched up by the birds. But the one that fell on good soil produced a crop. And you never know, we know the byproduct and the fruit. We taste the fruit many times, the testimonies of lives being changed. But many times we don't hear about the person who threw that seed on the ground. And we get to, we get to do this. We get to throw seed out. So just begin inviting people uh, for Easter, all right? It's going to be a great day, and we want you to be a part of that. Also, that same weekend on Friday night, on Good Friday, we're going to do a Seder, okay? So a Seder, if you're not familiar with this, we did one last year. This is a Jewish custom. This is something the Jews do every year, every year to kind of usher in Passover. It's a celebration. They get together. It's over a meal. We will eat a meal. All of the meals are symbolic. The meal is symbolic. It, it tells the story of the exodus of the children of Israel. And you may be saying, why are, we're not Jewish. Most of us are not Jews. So why, why do we do this? We are not trying to be Jewish. We are not Jews. We are a Gentile church, Okay. But it's important for us to understand where we come from. The Bible says that as Gentiles, we have been grafted in to all the promises that the children of Israel and the Jewish people have. Uh, we have been grafted into this tree, so to speak. We should know and understand what we're being grafted into. It doesn't mean we have to be uh, Jewish, but we are Gentiles that want to have an understanding of what God's saying to us. And this is a really beautiful ceremony. Uh, so come to that. You need to sign up, though. Okay, so you get a sign up. It's in here. Last year, we were packed, and it'll fill up fast. So go to the lobby and sign up for that before you leave today. Okay, I'm excited to bring a word to you. Go to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter 1. If you don't know where that is, oof, man, uh, all the way to the left, okay? Just go left, and when you get left, keep going left, all the way to, to the very beginning, um, Genesis chapter 1. I am going to read verses 1 through 2. Before I do, I want to kind of set up what I'm about to say. So in, in theology, I'm not a theologian per se. I get to be the president of a seminary with a bunch of theologians, but I'm not necessarily a theologian. But in theology, there is a term that's called the law of first mention. The law of first mention means that anytime you find a principle or a thought or, a, or, or any kind of theological presentation in Scripture, many times theologians will want to go back to the very first time that principle was mentioned in the Bible. The law of first mention then tells the scholar the kind of the foundations of this thought, the origination of this thought. Therefore, I carry that originational theological stance of who God is into the future texts, right? So we don't just pull out one text and manipulate it and make it what we want. We look at the Bible as a whole and look at it contextually. And so what I wanna do is I wanna bring in this idea of the law of first mention. The very first thing, very first time something is mentioned in scripture and let it speak to us today. This is a verse that many, will, many of you will be familiar with whether you're a believer or not. But in Genesis chapter one, verses one through two, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now maybe you've heard sermons on this. This week whenever I was writing a sermon, the, the sermon that I was going to speak today, I got about halfway done with it. And um, I kind of came across this text, came across this word. And I felt like the Lord just completely captured me and sent me on a completely different direction. I put that sermon down and started a new one from scratch. And I'm like, God, that'd have been cool if you could have told me that like six hours ago. That'd have been awesome. 
But it, it spoke so clearly to me that I, that I really sensed the Holy Spirit leading me in this way to bring this communication. And I want to show you something that maybe you haven't seen in this passage before. or Maybe, maybe it's never really popped before like it did to me uh, this week. There's three descriptive words in this text that I want to pull out and I want to talk about today. Those, those three descriptive words that I mentioned, if you, were, if, you, if you were paying attention, it says it describes the earth. It says they created the earth and the waters, the heavens and the earth. And then he, it mentions these three descriptive words. It describes the earth as formless, empty, and dark. Okay? Formless, empty, and dark. Now, a lot of times English doesn't do a great job of helping us understand the richness of text many times. So I would encourage you to go into the Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek for the New Testament, and go back to the original words. And you can do this on the internet. It's very simple. Just Google it, okay? And, and, and go and find the original words. Let me show you these. The word formless in Hebrew is the Hebrew word tohu. And it means confusion, wasteland, wilderness, and a place of chaos. So he's saying that he created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was chaotic. It was without form. It was like a wilderness. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was broken. It was confusing. The second word he used to describe it is empty. Now, the, the, the Hebrew word for empty is the Hebrew word, Hebrew word bahu, and it literally just means empty. Okay? There's nothing super profound there. It just, it's void. It's empty. The third word is darkness. The Hebrew word for darkness in this text is hoshech, and it means obscurity and night, but it goes on to describe night as literally the sense of being unable to see. You just can't see, it's dark. So it uses these three words, formless, empty, and dark. None of which, by the way, would be good things. If you use any of these words to describe something, most likely they're being used in a way that would be something that would kind of give a negative light to the situation or to the circumstance. These three Hebrew words, one scholar wrote this, one Hebrew scholar wrote this. He said, they seem to suggest that something is more than simply passive or powerless. It points to that which is beyond human control, to that which has power and potential to threaten or act. I hope you're catching this. It says it's something that was beyond human control, okay? Now, the very next phrase, the very next part of this verse is really where the Lord began to, 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 to hone me into, and it says this. It says, those three descriptive words, and then it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Three words that would be used to describe something really bad, something not fun, something that nobody else would be really excited about hovering over, God says, that is the place where I came to hover. That's the place where I came to speak into. That's the place where I choose to be. Now, I want you to understand this word hover, because we could have some kind of negative connotations with hover in the English language. But again, let's go to the Hebrew text and see what this word hover means. In, in Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word rachaf, and it means to be soft towards to be moved, to be affected, to cherish, the feeling of tender love. Now, I hope that you're starting as smart as our church is. We have a bunch of little genius scholars in our church, and I hope you're starting to understand where I'm taking you because, yes, the earth in itself was physically formless. It was void and empty, and it was dark. 
But like the scriptures always do, a law of first mention comes to describe more than just a physical state of something. It comes to describe in many ways us. That many times if we look at our lives close enough, whether you've been serving the Lord, whether you're not serving the Lord, you've been serving the Lord for a day, you've been serving the Lord for 60 years. If you look close enough at parts of your life, there will be parts and seasons of your life where you feel like your life is formless, meaning it's chaotic. It's, you feel like you're in the wilderness. It's confusing. You'll find seasons of life where your life feels empty. It feels void. It feels like you gotta, you're trying to find something that can fulfill you or find satisfaction for you. And then there's seasons of our life where life just feels dark. And not even necessarily evil, just dark. I just can't see. I just can't see what God is, is trying to do. And I feel like I'm in the dark. But I want you to understand that when God was hovering over these things, he was doing it in a way and in a sense that says he was doing it because he loved the chaos. That's crazy. Why would God love the formulas? Why would he love the empty? Why would he love the mess? Why would he love the darkness? It's because he knew that although this earth was currently formless, I was about to make it full. And although this world is currently empty, I'm about to speak life into this place and bring fullness of life into it. And although this place is dark, what you don't know is in the very next verse, I'm about to say, let there be light. So he could, he could hover over something and not be moved by the brokenness of it because he knew the potential in it. And God does this for us on a regular basis. I want to show you, I want to, I want to unpack this word hover a little bit. I, I really loved this, this study of, of this word hover, and it kind of sent me on a deep dive. But this word, this Hebrew word for hover is only mentioned three times in the entire Old Testament, the, whole, the entire Old Testament. One, let me show you one of them. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 9, it says, For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him in a barren and howling waste. Where did he find him? In brokenness. He shielded him, talking about Israel, and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Now watch the description, verse 11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over it. Same Hebrew word that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. So this, this analogy of an eagle that hovers over its young, her young, this word says that the, the, the mother hovers over the young for two reasons, to protect them and to carry them. To protect them and to carry them. And God is hovering over this moment. Jesus Although it's in, in the Greek because it's the New Testament, Jesus refers to the same kind of a picture or illustration in Matthew 23, 37. When he's speaking about Jerusalem, it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those to, sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together. Here it is. Like a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, and you were not willing. So I want you to understand, by, all the way back to Genesis, the law of first mention, we know what happens next. And many times when we read the Genesis story, all we go away with is God spoke and it was. God spoke and there was light. God spoke and there was animals. God spoke and there was vegetation. God spoke and there was man and woman. But I, what I really want you to walk away with before with this today, there was a real, something that I already knew but was a true revelation to me of understanding me at certain times when I feel formless, when I feel void, when I feel empty, when I feel dark is that before God spoke, he hovered. Let 
Before God spoke to fix, he hovered with love. He hovered seeing the potential. He hovered in the brokenness. He hovered in the emptiness. And he, broke, he hovered in the darkness. So the real takeaway, one of the real takeaways in this, in this context of this passage is really coming to the understanding with something that we already know, but we forget over and over and over and over again, is that God never abandons us. He is always with us. He is always with us in the moments where it feels the darkest, it feels the emptiest, and it feels the most broken and formless. He's there in those moments. So today I want to just talk to you for a little bit longer on the hovering God. The hovering God. And there's good, good hovering and bad hovering. Uh, there's bad hovering. Like the government could bad hover you. <laughs> Facebook could bad hover you. Careful what you say, you'll see an ad pop up just a little bit later. Right? Why? Because Facebook is hover, hovering over you. <laughs> Your Alexa is hovering over you. <laughs> so there's, there's good, good hover and bad. Like if, a, if, a, if an attack helicopter showed up right now and hovered over this church, it could be really good, but it could be really bad. You don't really know. They could be here to protect us, but they could also be here to destroy us. Uh, when I, when I really began to study this word hover, I thought about parenting a lot. I don't know why, but my, my parenting instincts just kicked in. And, you know, when a kid is young, like an infant toddler uh, up into, you know, early childhood, like you have to hover a lot. You're just on constant helicopter mode because a, a kid, they're not very smart. I don't know. They'll just walk right off the stage. They don't, they don't know. I mean, they'll just walk right out into the street. So you got to hover, and Michelle and I are entering into this phase of parenting where you got to hover more top secretly. You can't just be there all the time. Like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Like, you're just at a distance going, oh, yeah. And then at any moment, you just sweep in. No, you're not doing that. And it, and it gets challenging to, to be a parent as they get into their teenage years, and we're trying to figure that out. Parents, can I get amen? Like, I promise you, I am not writing a parenting book until I'm like 80 years old, Okay. <laughs> Because I don't know how these little things are going to turn out. I need the Lord's help, all right? I, tell you, I will tell you one secret, though. Guys, if you're a parent of teenagers, uh, if you don't know this already, you've been living under a rock, but you have got to get Life 360. Parents, anybody? Okay. This is a way that you can hover over your child. You can see them anywhere, at any time, anywhere on the planet. I know where they are. I know how fast they're going. I know if they're driving recklessly. This is amazing. But I want to take this idea of hovering, and I want to take these three descriptive words, um, and I want to try to help you find yourself in this text, okay? So these three words, formless, empty, and dark. The first thing I want to talk about, if you're taking notes, write this down. The God who hovers over darkness. That God hovers over darkness. Now, you may, if any of you are really paying attention, you might be wondering why I started in reverse, Okay? Because the text in verse 2 presents them in this order. Formless first, empty second, darkness third. So I am going to present these back to you in the reverse order, and here's why. Because I, this popped out at me, and I thought it was so cool, because I nerd out on weird stuff like this. But the very next verse, verse 2 says formless, empty, and dark. And verse 3 of Genesis says this, And God said, Let there be light and there was light. They were presented in the opposite order, but God spoke to the light first. 
And there's something hidden in the text of this that's really important to us, that's, that's both literal, but it's also symbolic for us. Because if he's gonna describe something as formless and empty, he could fill it and he could fix it and you'd never know because you're still in the dark. So he brought light first to the darkness. And God is hovering over this. And remember, hovering means in a sense of being unable to see. So God, before God did anything about the formlessness, before God did anything about the emptiness, he wanted to fix the darkness first. Now we know in scripture, in John chapter eight, verse 12, it tells us this, that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, and I, but, I, but will have the light of life. So this is true for us. Many times we spend most of our time in this world trying to fix the broken, fix the chaotic, fix the, fix the mess, fix what seems to be broken, get out of the wilderness, trying to fill our lives with anything that could maybe bring fulfillment to try to just fill the void, fill the void, fill the void. And God says, you're messing up the order of that because if you don't get the light of life first, Jesus Christ, nothing you will ever do or try will ever come. So the order was very, very important in this text. Watch this messianic prophecy in Isaiah 60, verse 1. This is, this is a prophetic word about a coming Messiah, Jesus. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises up upon you, and his glory appears where? Over you. Before I can ever present to you how we become orderly in a formless world or how we can find fullness in the emptiness of this world, I can never present to you a solution without presenting to you the solution. And if you ever come through seasons of your life where you feel formless, you feel empty, you feel like you're in a wilderness, you feel like things are chaotic, I would present to you that somehow, some way, an area of your life has become dim. And we must first go back to Jesus, go back to the only source, to the only light, because we can never find order in chaos. We can never find fullness and emptiness without going to Jesus first. Jesus is the answer to all of these, these situations. And every single time, darkness, the darkness of this world, must bend its knee to the light. You go in your bedroom, you flip the light on, instantly darkness is gone. We must continually, it's not a one-time thing. It's daily for me, multiple times a day. Jesus, I need you to come back. Not that he left, but I forgot about you. I need to, come, I need to go back to the light and bring order in the chaos. I gotta go back to Jesus over and over again. The first thing I wanna mention, I'll do this on every point, is I don't think this will come as any big surprise to us, but the world is dark, y'all. Like, we live in an insanely dark world, and it seems to be darkening, right? Especially our culture, especially what we're going through. But <laughs> this just brings such comfort to me every time that I, that I ponder this and think through this, that the law of first mention tells me that if something is dark, God is hovering over it. He is not absent. He has not forgotten. He has not abandoned. He is there. Uh, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, we know this verse well, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and here it is, against the powers of this dark world, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Uh, Jesus tells us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Verse after verse, John chapter 1 verse 4 says, The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So we have the world that's dark, but let's just be real for a second and own the fact that we got darkness too. <laughs> There's areas of our life where we feel darkness, and yes, maybe it's sin. You know, I think that's applicable. I think there's areas of our life where, where darkness creeps in, and there's areas of our heart that we need to give back to God, and we need the light of, light of Jesus to shine back on that area. And I think that's all applicable, but I want to focus on the areas of our life where things just feel like you can't see. Um, I don't know if you're living and breathing, but there's got to be something in your life that you just wish that God would give you just a little bit of insight on your future. God, could you just kind of, I don't need to see the whole thing, but could you just put like one of the flashlight on it so I could kind of see something, like maybe just around the corner a little bit, just, just something, can, can I see something in, in, in this dark world? Um, there's constantly over and over again this, this opportunity I love that verse that says that, that he, he is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I, if I could ever rewrite the Bible, which I wouldn't promote that because I wouldn't do a very good job of writing it. But if I could, I would, I would rather say and his word is a spotlight. It's a halogen 5,000-watt bulb shining into the future so that I can see the entire path and the destination and anything that's coming to get me. But it's just a lamp. And all I can see is the next step. <laughs> so what I have to be comforted by is in those moments when I feel darkness, when I feel lost, I have to know that the law of first, first mention tells me that God is hovering there. He's present. I was in my office just this week as I pondered some of this study, and I was looking out my office window, and it was a real windy day. And I just I posted something about this on Instagram, but I just I, I, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, John, you're inside. So you can't feel the wind, uh, and you also can't see the wind. You can't see it. You can only see the effects of the wind. And instantly, it, my mind went back to that passage where Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, and he's telling him about the wind. And it was this idea that you don't, know, you don't know the destination of the wind. You don't know where the wind came from, and you certainly don't know where the wind is going to end up. But if you look closely enough, you'll see trees that are bending a certain way. And you may not know where it came from, and you, know not, you may not know the final destination, but John, you know the general direction. And I just sensed him challenging me, saying, what do you know about me? What's some generalities that you know about me? Well, I know that you're a loving God. I know that you're a good God. I know that you intend to, to not to harm me, but to, to empower me and to help me. So, so listen, if you're, in the, if you're in a dark season of your life, know this. Know that God is hovering over that. He's present. He's present. And... He's taking you to a place that will be good. He's taking you to a place. You may not know the end result. You may not know the end destination, but you know the general direction. And God is speaking to us in this way. So the law first mentioned tells the very first darkness that ever was on this earth, God was there. God was there. And he saw potential in it. Now, the second thing was number two, if you take a note, write this down. God hovers over empty things. Uh, this word empty in Hebrew, we know that it means void. It just means empty. That's what it means. Can I just tell you something? The world is empty. 
Let's talk about the emptiness of the world. What do you mean by that, John? I mean that this world has nothing to offer you. <laughs> I know that's depressing, uh, but put that in your pipe and smoke it, okay? You're, you can go after a lot of things in this world. You can go after, you can chase after a lot of things, but everything that you could ever achieve or accomplish or chase on this, on this earth is empty. Uh, watch this passage in Isaiah 24, verse 3. It says, the earth, let me show you the future of the earth. Ready? The earth will be completely emptied and looted. The Lord has spoken. The earth mourns and dries up and the land wastes away and withers. Even the greatest people on earth waste away. How encouraging is that? Like put that on your mirror while you're brushing your teeth and say, glory to God. <laughs> this is all, you know. So my question to myself and to all of us is, why do we chase after it so much? Why do we find so much of our purpose and so much of our validation and so much of our accomplishment and so much of our satisfaction and gratification in something that's empty? And then we wonder why we chase after these things and it doesn't change how we feel. It's because we've been filled up with something that has a gaping hole at the bottom of it that just goes right out the bottom on the other side. It's empty. Everything this world has to offer us is empty. So let's talk about our emptiness. Now, the Bible talks about fullness a lot. We are called to live a life. Oh, my gosh, that was lame. We live life. Why do we say that, you know? Because we're empty. That's why. We're prone to emptiness. If we don't chase after the right things, if we don't pursue the right things, if we don't long for the right things, Paul said, Paul said this in Romans, he said, and may the God of all hope fill you. Uh, Acts tells us that we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over again. In Luke it says, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Well, that's not empty. We're called to live this life to the full, but we spend a lot of our life in this season of, of feeling empty. So what do we do when we feel empty? We gotta go back to Jesus. We gotta go back to the light. We gotta go back to the only thing that can truly fill us, fill the emptiness, fill the void, is Jesus, is this. And I'm trying to tell you, I think God is attracted to empty stuff. I think there's a leadership lesson in it. Um, but so many times we try to put our, present our lives as though we're all put together. But I'm here to tell you, God's attracted to somebody who empties him or herself and then comes to God and says, fill me back up. Fill me back up. I want you to think about the times in Scripture where this is true. So in, in 2 Kings, uh, Elisha tells the woman, remember the, remember the woman who said, hey, I, she's out of oil, she can't do anything. What does he tell her? He says, go, get, go borrow jars from your neighbor empty ones. If you'll bring me empty stuff, I'll fill it up. Very next chapter, Elisha says, dig this valley full of ditches. You, you create emptiness and I'll fill it up. Why? Because he hovers over empty stuff. He's the filler. That's what he is. God is a filler. He fills stuff up, and he loves to fill stuff up with goodness and mercy and kindness and salvation and redemption. But we, we walk around trying to find things to fill ourselves, and God's sitting there going, well, I'll fill you if you're just empty. you got to be empty. God is attracted to empty stuff. 
this is, this is applicable to our lives as businesswomen and businessmen. Let me just give you a quick leadership talk. God loves empty stuff. And if you're concerned with manipulating and controlling and doing every little task in your business, then God won't give you anything else. If you'll delegate and give and give and fill up somebody else's coffer, God will fill yours up with something far more important to do. God is attracted to empty stuff. God wants to do something else in your life. God wants to always to taking us to the next level of what he's doing. This, the third one is this. God hovers over formless mess. Now, let me remind you the Hebrew word for formless means confusion. It means wasteland. <laughs> it means wilderness. And it means a place of chaos. That's a mess. That's... That's a mess that nobody would want to have anything to do with. In fact, as the one scholar wrote, this was out of human control. No human could have ever stepped in and done anything about this formless world. Only God could have brought order to the chaos. Only God could fix this mess. And we're, we're, we're in a mess. Psalm 46.1 says that God is our refuge and strength. Where is he our refuge and strength? He's present in trouble. In order for him to be present in trouble, it means that he was there before he fixed it. You ever stop to think about that? He didn't come after it was fixed. He was there when it was jacked up in the first place. He was hovering over it. And when God sees mess, I think he comes to mess. We think that when we're in a mess, when we're jacked up, God runs from us. I would say the opposite. I would say the bigger mess you're in, the more God's attracted to you. Because God comes to heal stuff. That's what he does. So let's talk about our world, okay? So, because the world is a mess. I mean, it's a mess. I'm 42, so I get it. Some of y'all live longer than me, and you could tell stories about other times and other areas, but I don't know about you, but there's times that I'm just like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but this is a mess. What I'm comforted by in this text is that God is hovering over this mess. And you know my conclusion? Putin's not in control. Uh, Biden's not in control. Trump is not in control. The government's not in control. Your boss is not in control. Your financial situation is not in control. COVID is not in control. The world and the way of the world is not in control. Hollywood is not in control. The culture is not in control, okay? God is in control. And where there's a mess, God is present. He's hovering. He's hovering. He's hovering. And he's not hovering like an attack helicopter with missiles. He's, loving like a, he's hovering like a caring father because he loves something. He loves it. The Bible says that God sent his only son, where? Here, to this jacked up place, to this world. This is a mess. He loved it. He loves it. He currently loves it. He loves what we call a mess. The world's a mess, but we are too. Let's talk about our mess. Because <laughs> y'all, we're a mess. Look at your neighbor and say, you are jacked up. <laughs> here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. This is, this is comical to me. I'm no comedian. I wish I was because these guys are geniuses. Here's what's comical to me. We live our lives like we're perfect. 
we come into gatherings like this and ask each other how we're doing, and we'll say, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I'm good. I'm great. Things are great. I'm busy. No, you're not. You're a mess. You're jacked up is what you are. But the good thing is, is we're all jacked up. It's funny how we elevate certain people and we think, well, John's a pastor, so he's not jacked up. Michelle, am I jacked up? She's jacked up. But God is hovering over us. And the reason God hovers over stuff that's a mess is because he, doesn't, he didn't look at the earth in its current form. He knew it for what he was about to speak into it. He knew it for what it was about to become, not the current mess that it was in. And sometimes we, we like really night, neat and tidy and cozy and cute and organized. Like we want to try to live our lives this way. I would present to you that God is attracted to our mess. Uh, one of my favorite Proverbs, I, I think it's, I just love this proverb when you study it. It's really rich. In Proverbs uh, chapter 14 it says, where there is no oxen, the manger is empty, but from the strength of the ox come abundant harvest. Now that's written really fancy, but I want to break that down for you. I'm going to do so first by reading it to you in the Passion Translation. Watch this. Passion says, the only clean stable is an empty stable. So if you want the work of an ox and to enjoy an abundant harvest, you'll have a mess or two to clean up. What is this saying? It's saying we want the abundant harvest of the Lord, but we don't want to get our hands dirty. And we think that if we're messy, if I've gotten my hands dirty, it means that I can't be used by God. It means that I've messed this whole thing up. This, this, this is so far from the truth. It doesn't mean we just live a life and do whatever we want. That's idolatry. It means that we're constantly coming back to the light in my darkness. God, there's something dark in me. I'm running back to the light. I'm running back to the light over and over and over again. Because this world is a mess ever since a few chapters after this. Eve eats the apple. Adam eats the apple. Sin enters the world. We're in a fallen world. And since that day, this place has been a wreck. This place is a mess. And there's areas of your life that's just a mess, right? Leading is messy. Parenting is messy. Pastoring is messy. Ministry is messy. Every time my phone rings, mess. It's a mess every time, right? But this word, this word in Proverbs tells me that there's just times where we just got to shovel. <laughs> Do you ever feel like this? You ever feel like life is just shoveling it all day? Shovel over and over and over again. But let me tell you something. Without the mess, there is no blessing. There is no harvest. If you don't believe me, have you, have you raised kids? You want the harvest of kids, but at 2 a.m., you're questioning all this shoveling you're having to do. Have you ever owned a business? Have you ever led an organization? Have you ever led yourself? <laughs> it's messy. It's messy. Marriage is messy. Living is messy. But God, I'm, tell, I'm, I'm just come to tell you one thing. God is hovering over the mess. He's hovering over it. Have you ever seen a farmer? Farmers have these, um, I, like, I love farmers. I think they're the coolest people on planet Earth. 
If you ever follow a farmer in a little small town, you'll get up behind an old truck, an old work truck, and in the back of almost every farmer's truck, you'll see two rubber boots turned upside down between the bed of the truck and the cab of the truck. Have y'all seen this? Nod for me, interact with me. Yes, you've seen this? You know why they do this? Because they know at any given moment, I might have to get messy. At any given moment in this life of being a farmer, some days as a farmer, I'm scattering seeds. Some days as a farmer, I'm picking fruit off the vine, but some days I'm shoveling it. And, and life is just messy. And there's times where we got to get out of the truck and put our work boots on and get in it. Real quick leadership talk for you on this topic. You know why they keep rubber boots in the back of their seat? So when they get messy, you know what they do when they're done shoveling? They put the boots back in there so they don't track it into their house. You don't take that home. You don't take it to your kids. You don't take it. Leaders don't get the luxury of shoveling and throwing it on other people. We're called, listen, God knows your mess and he's not running from it. He's attracted to it. And he's hovering over it. How is he hovering? With love, with affection, with caring, because you see the potential that's in your mess. God is in your mess and God is ready and willing. The Bible is a book about love. It's a book about forgiveness. It's a book about cleaning up our mess in the middle of our mess. This is what God, call, God wants to do. I got more, but I, I, I wanna stop there. Will you stand to your feet with me, OKC and Edmund? We don't do this every week, but there are weeks where it really, some weeks is a sermon and you take it home and eat it, okay? Hopefully it's a steak, sometimes it's mashed potatoes, but you get the point. Some, hopefully you get a word in here that isn't something that you walk out the doors and forget about and it's, it's gone. Some days you chew on that all week and a month or whatever, God's doing a work in you. Sometimes God wants to stick an IV in your arm and do something in a moment. And so what I wanna do is I wanna give the opportunity for the Lord to do a work today because um, there comes a point in a pastor's ministry where the pastor must get out of the way so that the Lord can do, have his way. <laughs> and so what I wanna do is we're gonna go back into a song for just a moment. And I, I, I pray that during the course of this message, whether you're at Edmund or OKC or watching online, that the Holy Spirit has just been kind of dropping little seeds in your ear about a certain few things or about an area of your life, whether it's an encouragement, maybe it's even a conviction because the Holy Spirit does that too in a loving way. My, my response to you is I want you to know this is a very safe place. It would always be a safe place for you to be ministered to, okay? So in just a few minutes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an invitation that if you wanna leave your seat and come down here, we have prayer team that are really gifted. They, they are called to prayer ministry. They're called to altar ministry. And we wanna have a moment where you can come and, and respond to the Holy Spirit, respond to what the Lord is saying to you. So who, who am I asking to come down? First off, you need to know it's safe, nothing weird's gonna happen, you're not gonna be picked out or isolated. Or, and the second thing you need to know is it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. This is not a salvation call. This is a call for all of us because remember, we're jacked up, all of us. So the invitation are for those who, if, if there's any part of your life right now that feels formless, what does that mean? It means there's a part of your life that feels confusing. There's a part of your life that feels like you're in a wilderness. There's a part of your life that feels like it's chaotic. 
It's chaotic. And you can't sleep at night. You're anxious. You're confused. You're depressed. It's causing you to have anger issues. It's causing you to have marriage problems. It's causing you to have relational issues. Whatever that is, for, it could be anything, big or small, okay? Formless. There's other of us that feel empty, like something's just missing. Whether you got everything you need or you don't have everything you need, something's just missing. Something feels void. And the third one is something feels dark. Something just, something's not right. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's a really dark area of your life that you, you need help with. Maybe not. Maybe it's you're just confused. You just need the Lord's clarity. You need faith to get through this season because your, your faith is beginning to wonder because God is not moving the way you thought he was going to move. And your faith feels like it's slipping. And so whether you fall into any of those, any of those categories at all, okay, I'm going to invite you right now just to leave your seat and come. Just come down. I promise you, you will not be the only one. Stop letting the devil keep you, keep you frozen. Do not let the devil keep your feet in chains. You get out of your seat and you walk down here, okay? Come on, just walk down here. There is nothing wrong with this. There is, I'm already down here, by the way. <laughs> so come join me. Come on. Come on. Edmund Campus, just respond. I know it's over video, but that does not matter. We are live. You respond. Come down right now. You just come down to the altar right now at Edmund. Just, just respond. Pastor, Pastor Cameron will lead you guys through some stuff there at that campus. Come on, pack down in here tight. Come in a little bit closer, guys. Come a little bit closer. Come on, there's still some of you that need to respond. I didn't do this at the nine, but I know that there's a lot of people out there that they're like, ah, yeah, there's a little bit there, but that's for somebody else. No, it's not. It's for you. You need to respond. You need to step out and respond. Okay. What I want to do is I want to invite you um, into, a, into a process here. And it's not anything that I'm going to lead you through. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you through something. So if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. But I want you just to prepare your heart for what's about to happen. Okay? Because what's about to happen is not John telling you what to do. It has nothing to do of the sorts. What we are doing in this moment is we are opening the windows of our heart and we're allowing, we're saying, Holy Spirit, come. And you can even whisper that under your breath. You can whisper that. You can say that to yourself. You can say it out loud. I don't care. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. What you're saying is I have an open invitation for the Lord to come and do a work in my heart. Because you know what? The Lord's a gentleman and he won't come without your invitation. So we say, Holy Spirit, come. Yes, into this room, but even more into our hearts. Come into our hearts. God, speak to us. God, move us. God, speak to us more clearly than you've ever spoken to us. And if, even if you don't fix it, just let us know that you're hovering. He's hovering. And if you need to picture that, you need to picture that. You need to picture the loving arms of a father hovering over you with love and tenderness and kindness you may not know where he's taking you, but you know the general direction, don't you? You know that he's loving. You know that he's kind. You know that he has good things in store for you. So, Father, these next few moments as we enter into worship, God, we say come and reign. Come and reign. Come and do a work. I want to invite the prayer team and staff to just begin to move. If you're in the auditorium, some of you have a gift um, of prayer or maybe even a prophetic gift, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit tells you to go and pray for somebody, go and pray for somebody. 
the Holy Spirit goes and tells you to go up and lay hands on someone's back. You don't have to say anything, but you're just there. You're present. You're praying. So don't let this moment slip. If you didn't respond to this altar call, it doesn't mean you can just chill or leave. Come on, let's be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. God may have a word for you right where you're sitting for something you've been confused about. So God, what we do um, right now is we don't just say come in the room. We say you can have the room. And so for just the next few minutes, God, we're just submitted to you. We're humble. We're softened in our hearts. Our plans can wait. Our agendas can wait. Our to-do lists can wait. For this moment, Lord, you are in control. So Holy Spirit, come. We love you. We thank you. And we pray that you would come and rest on us in this moment in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.